Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, Yoga Revealed family. This is Alec Vishal Rubin here to welcome you back to another episode of Inspiration. Today, it is a great pleasure to highlight a longtime friend and devoted practitioner of over a decade, Devin Sweeney of Denver, Colorado. She has had years of extensive studies and personal assistance to Shiva Ray, who teaches the pathway of Prana Vinyasa Yoga and its tantric philosophy. Yoga Reveal Podcast is a proud sponsor of an incredible company, Four Sigmatic, the most alive adaptogen mushrooms. We've got a special offer for our Yoga Revealed family. Receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic purchase by going to foursigmatic.com. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com backslash yoga revealed or use yoga revealed at checkout as one word my favorite product from four sigmatic is the golden latte mushroom mixed with the hot cacao reishi and i love to drink it in the early morning with some hot water right as i drop into meditation and i bet it's going to change your life as much as it has for me we are excited to get these powerful mushroom allies into your body and integrate them into your yoga practice this is Saucha on a whole new internal level of cleanliness. And I hope you enjoy this episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast. Yoga Revealed Podcast, welcome back. This is Alec Michelle Rubin, and I'm so excited to be here today with you sharing the light of yoga. And today, it is such a pleasure for me to sit before someone who's been a part of my life the last nine years almost. I think yeah. we've been in the same community and family. And, uh, you know, my, my love tribe here in Colorado, it's, uh, it's pretty rare when I get to converge with someone who walks with yoga as intensely 
as I feel I do. So I'm so grateful to introduce Devin Sweeney on the Yoga Revealed podcast today. Thank, Thank you, you Devin. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah. for having me. Absolutely, Devin. I'm, I'm honored to have witnessed and have heard so much of your story and your experience over the many years that we've been in passing and in connection through friendship and mutual friends in our, in our close communities. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to hear your journey and your story. And, you know, with that said, I'd love to pass the mic to you quite literally and, and ask you, how did yoga first reveal itself to you in your life? Wonderful. Well, you know, I was always a mover and a dancer. And the first experience of flow that I became interested in was really through cross-country running. And my body really enjoyed just being able to sync up with breath and get into a movement that I could continuously flow through. But it turns out that I'm hyperflexible, <laughs> hypermobile in my joints. And so it very quickly became a reality that I couldn't move in that way anymore. And I had never been really inclined towards super competitive team sports. So it left me in this position as a teenager, like looking for a place to move, but not really having an outlet for that. And so my sister's partner, who is now her husband, they're expecting their first baby wow. in the next couple of weeks. Um, he was a cyclist. He was on his way to becoming a pro cyclist and um, went on to achieve that dream. It was cross training, doing yoga. So we went to our first yoga class together. How old were you? I was 14. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, I loved it. Of course, it was like hot, sweaty, loud music, fast, just totally like no rhyme or reason, out of control. And But of course, <laughs> as soon as I finished my first practice, I was like, something's going on here and I'm going to figure it out. Mm. And it was this very just like visceral desire to have a feeling of mastery over something that was completely new to my body and shaking through and having this experience of like not really being able to harness balance or strength in the way that I now have devoted my life to. Um, I can look back on it and have that reflection. At the time, it was just like a 14-year-old ego having the physical experience, that first taste of yoga. Um, and I just immediately became enthralled. Mm. So I started going to the physical practice, you know, two, three times a day. I would just get home from school and just go to the yoga studio over and over again. And then I, um, I met my first teacher, my first true teacher, whose name is Maria Gare. And she's an incredible prana vinyasa teacher and longtime student of Shiva Ray. And I had no idea at the time that that was going to be the path that I continued to follow up until this point in my life, which I will probably continue to follow into my older years. Um, but we synced up in this practice of movement that included pulsation and really feeling your way into the shapes in a sense that I had never experienced yoga before. Mm. I was just used to performing and executing the asanas, but not actually getting into the feeling or the bhavana or the experience of actually embodying the postures. Doing yoga versus performing yoga is a very different kind of experience. And she was the first teacher that really unlocked that inside me. Mm -hmm. And once we connected, it was just 
fate. The story has unfolded since then. She was a very serious teacher and she held me to a very high standard. And I feel grateful to have been a part of the kind of lineage of yoga that has, I feel, somewhat been lost in the transmission of yoga these days where many people don't necessarily receive the opportunity to walk with a teacher. Mm. And so she was the first teacher that I walked with for many years. And I just dropped everything and besides going to college. <laughs> but I would go to college and then on the weekends I would drive around and go to whatever place she was doing a teacher training, whether it was D.C. or New York, and just repeatedly receive the same information, which as many of the yogis listening probably know, is something that you can just continue to do over and over. Even if it's the same information, you'll get something new each time you hear it. Mm -hmm. So um, I began to practice with Shiva Ray during that time. And at the time that I graduated my first 200-hour training, I was the youngest person ever to graduate a teacher training in the style of prana vinyasa or the lineage of Shiva Ray. Um, so with that, they kind of all the senior teachers took me under their wings. Mm. And Shiva made sure that there was opportunities for me to be able to financially accommodate different trainings. And I traded my time and my energy. And um, I was a transcriptionist for Shiva for many years. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and I learned through work study in order to gain as much education as I could. You know, I was just thirsty for everything. Um, and so through my practice with Maria, through my experience with aligning myself with the teacher, I eventually was handed off and um, kind of inherited a position working with Shiva um, after taking a couple trainings with her and really just being by Maria's side. And so it was, it was very disconcerting and it felt like a big responsibility for my first assistantship when I was 19 mm. at Kripalu. Um, in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. So yoga revealed itself to me in a way that feels like there was really no other pathway for me to follow. Because as I opened myself up to the practice and I experienced each teacher along the way that led me to Shiva, everything just felt right in my body. And it transformed me from being a practitioner who was just interested in the physical, who used asana as a place to just exercise what needed to be moved out of my mind to a practitioner that was able to feel the subtle impact or the alchemy within movement to transform my inner state to be in greater alignment with my outer environment. Wow. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so, I'm, I'm in awe and I'm inspired because I haven't heard that entire story before. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard maybe glimpses of it mm -hmm. in passing, but to hear a deeper, deeper reflection is really beautiful. So thank you for that. And in one of the first sentences you said, you were like, I took this first class and <laughs> I got to figure this out. It's uh -huh. so like a, a playful yet serious uh -huh. joke in my mind that kind of came up was like, did you figure it out? Have we figured it out? Like today, now? It's a great question. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I was just having this conversation with one of my students when we were in Costa Rica during a retreat. And it was essentially the dialogue about 
practicing an asana, having the physical wherewithal to be able to perform a complicated asana versus doing the simplest movement and experiencing a higher level of realization by simplifying and channeling your attention into a shape or a meditative form instead of having to like always push for the most complex expression of an asana. Mm -hmm. And for me, the longer that I practice, the realization or the figuring out of asana has actually been undoing the pushing and striving and straining desire to accomplish something with my practice, Mm -hmm. but actually deconstruct the idea back to if I can simply stand on my own two feet and feel my entire body and the way these feet carry me and the way these feet inform every other part of my posture, then I am experiencing advanced meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of actually realizing things or figuring it out, I believe that the reason that yoga is a lifelong path is because you can never actually fully realize anything, right? Um, The template for healing that already exists in our body is there for us to continuously explore. Self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the asanas are the keys that unlock the consciousness of the body. Mm-hmm. And there's an inherent intelligence to each asana, and you can feel it when you finally access a point in the posture where everything is working together in synergy. Mm. In the in the terms of prana vinyasa, we would say the five movements of prana are fully embodied. But even the most advanced practitioner, I truly believe, will still be able to find these hidden gems or these pearls of wisdom within just standing in tadasana. Or just sitting on the earth or even just laying their body out and prostrating to the ground, which is a practice that we're reviving and working with and examining in our embodiment through prana vinyasa is just this practice of like Mm. laying it all down on the ground and then remembering what is within you to help you rise back up. Deep reverence. Mm -hmm, Deep reverence. And so... Yeah, I mean, the practice of yoga, when you start to really get deep into the heart of yoga, is the recognition that your evolution is always unfolding, right? We would say the maha vinyasa Mm -hmm. of life is the cycle that's continuously moving. And we place our attention in different ways in order to support that. But we are participants in the living rhythm of our practice. Mm. And through that, there's no end goal. And there's no hierarchy. And the way one person practices and what they need could be completely different. And the evolution of yoga itself is teaching us lots of different ways to check ourselves. Yes. Pushing beyond our limitations, blue in the face or white knuckled is not a practice of meditation. It can be in some moments. But now we're starting to feel that our nervous system collectively really doesn't need that kind of pressure. Our society definitely does not need that. We need the opposite. Exactly. So I'm not against, like, I I love my students to get into very advanced postures. But I don't have any interest in 
facilitating an environment where the end goal is to get into the craziest position possible. Right. I would be much more content supporting people and observing them be in a deep state of meditation in the most simple asana possible. Um, mm. And then carrying that energy towards more complexity. Yes. Well, I, I think piggybacking on, on earlier, you know, not, not being able to figure it out. You know, <laughs> one of my favorite sutras from Patanjali is like, when you think you have it, check again, mm-hmm. naturally. And uh, you said you tapped into um, the five pranas. And I love the teaching of the five pranas. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be really valuable if you could share what are the five pranas for those who are like, what did she say? And I'm curious about that because I am aware of prana, but yeah. what are the five pranas? Could you could you illuminate that? Yeah, wonderful. Um, so prana vinyasa as a style as transmitted through Shiva Ray is really radical in the sense that it is one of the only systems that looks at the alignment of the body as something that can't really be one size fits all or even be compartmentalized into one body part or one muscular activation. So when we look at alignment, we use what's called the pancha values to visually and energetically understand how the body is held in a really um, synergistic way. So for us, that is like the feeling of yoga is when the posture becomes less effortful because every part of you is working together with gravity and the structure that you've been provided with to move through in a way that feels grounded and steady and supported. So the five movements of prana are, we call it the little p prana. So the pancha vayus or the five winds. And there's prana, which is the rising force of energy. So generally considered upward. Apana, which is the downward movement of energy, that which grounds us. Samana, which is directed inward to the core, often visualized as like many arrows pointing into the center or a spiral of energy curling into the center. Viana, which is expansion omnidirectionally from the core. Right. So think about like drawing your hands in towards your heart and then opening your arms out all the way. That would be the interplay between Samana and Viana. And then there's one last one that's always tricky for everyone, which is called Udana. And it means up and out. So you can envision like a standing back bend and feel that expression not only upward, but also expanding outward from the heart. Mm-hmm. And so instead of looking at this knee or that foot or this shoulder in one position... When I observe a student's embodiment, I'm looking for the way that all five of those forces are in play together. When you ground down into something, it gives you the ability to create length and expansion. Without grounding, you can't safely lift or expand. When you gather into the center and you stabilize yourself in that way, then you have the strength and power to create opening. But if you try to expand too far without central stability, then you lose the the balance of your posture. Mm. And so instead of saying things like square your hips, the action would begin at the earth, 
right? Press into your feet and imagine that you're dragging your feet towards the horizontal midline. And all of a sudden, because we just accessed apana, we were granted access to all of the other movements of prana that are born out of that. So mm. we're able to find samana, which is the gathering in of the center of the body, which gives birth to prana, which is the rising up, and vyana, which allows you to expand. So no longer are we looking at the form of the body as something that has separate components, but instead working towards equipping people with the information necessary in their bodies to be fully supported in a way that is actually informed by their cellular intelligence and not just by the script or the picture or the prescription for how the alignment of a pose is often given to different teachers or students. Mm. And this is like a whole body, whole life experience, not just on the mat, but as you continue to move through the world, you start to recognize all of the different ways you interact that are disjointed. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't create a strong foundation for my life to become expansive or to rise to a different level or goal, then I am continuously going to feel shaken up by the things that disturb me. But if I'm able to really, really settle into what we'd call the muladhara practices of life, and then choose to move towards change or expansion with that foundation. Right? This is the teaching of the five movements of prana. You can mm. experience even more expansion if you're rooted in stability. You can experience even more freedom when your form right, has a very well-informed kind of sta- state of the movements of prana. Mm. Mm. I love it. Thank you so much. It's really powerful medicine to just reflect and to hear the, how these energies and these winds do indeed reflect into our lives outside of the asana. And I think it's a beautiful segue to tap into um, another facet of yoga that you've dove very deeply within into the aspect of philosophy and tantrika. Mm-hmm. So please tell us how did that come to be into your your field of yoga. Yeah. So prana vinyasa is mainly informed actually through Shaiva Tantra. And this is unique because we are not a school of yoga that we don't dishonor the classical perspective. There's a lot of acknowledgement of that where more or less In the classical perspective of yoga, right, Raja Yoga, we're encouraged to see the ways that our desires, our tendencies, our physical inclinations, and all of these different proclivities are actually hindrances to our awakening. And so we go through, just like in the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, all of these very interesting purification processes. That's a fun read if you've never been, been there and, you know, all kinds of incredible things like pulling string through your nose and swallowing rags and pulling the mucus out. It's just a great thing <laughs> to visualize. <laughs> have you done these shot karmas before? I have not done the shot karmas. <laughs> um, my ton- the tantrika inside me has just always contracted <laughs> when I think about that. <laughs> and so 
Um, you know, ever since a young age, I was always told by my teacher, Shiva, like, if you feel the divine swoon when you're in seated meditation and it takes you down to the earth, like, we are not above lying down and enjoying meditation on the ground. Whatever form or shape your meditation takes mm. is just fine, but you follow the feeling of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Shaiva Tantra or just... Tantric yoga in general is this idea that every experience can be a portal to the awakening of higher consciousness. And that could range from the most pure and holy sattvic lifestyle to the most wild and out of controlled say yes to everything kind of experience. Um, It is good to walk the middle pathway, of course, but there are moments in life where your life pulls you in a direction where you do feel out of control. And the tantrikas would approach that in such a way that if every moment can be a portal to awakening, then we should dive more and more deeply into the experience of sensation and what we're feeling in that time so we can recognize or remember the primitive or primal parts of ourself that make us who we are. Mm. And so Tantra came into my life most specifically through a teacher named Christopher Tompkins, um, who is an incredible teacher of Tantra. Um, I worked with him through the Kashmir Manuscript Project, which was the recollection of manuscripts that were lost in Kashmir and never before translated into English um, from their original Sanskrit. And we did a lot of work with what's called um, a Sahasranama, and specifically with a goddess named Sharada, which is 108 different names of the goddess. Mm-hmm. Okay? So... Tantra, to me, is supportive to the somatic experience because it's feeling-based. The meditations and the dialogue of, especially the Vijnana Bhairava Tantra, most people would recognize it as the Radiance Sutras, um, translated by the incredible scholar Lorin Roche, is that we are constantly living this experience of our embodied form through different felt states. And when you feel a state that opens you up, then you should remember it and even in some ways look for practices that allow you to recreate it. Mm. And so this makes us a little bit left field in the realm of asana because it's not a lack of discipline, but it's a different kind of discipline. It's the discipline of leaving yourself open to the many multidimensional experiences of life that offer you different access points to realization. And sometimes the best prescription is discipline and a format that you can settle into and stay in routine. In other moments, it's freeing yourself completely from the confines of this classical and rigid perspective in order to be able to actually maybe hit a ceiling or make a mistake that brings you into deeper alignment with who you are and what you actually need. So it's the process of listening and feeling into the present experience and without judgment, just approaching any feeling or any state that allows you to feel more expansive and more aligned with yourself. So the simplicity of Tantra is that anything can be 
a way to access awakening. Mm. Right? And we are unlimited. And we still honor the classical yogis and we love that practice. Um, but in order to support every different type of human, there's this beautiful teaching within Tantra that gives you the ability to know how to take care of yourself and know that that formula is completely unique. And there's no one who can actually tell you how. Mm. Because once you start to feel, right, it's like some of the meditations are as simple as like, imagine the smiling, beaming face of a child, (laughs) right? And then just allow yourself to sit there and absorb that. Right? Or um, imagine that you are literally composed of infinite space. You are limitless. Right? And sit with that feeling and dive deeper into that realization and see what it creates. Hmm. And so the way that that's embodied in, in the way that I teach is that I'm always interested in helping people achieve more of a feeling state than an actual asana or shape. Now, sometimes the two go together. Mm-hmm. But in general, I would like to help people remember their innate capacity to heal themselves, remember their strength, remember their receptivity, remember their ability to be fluid mm. or versatile. Mm. Right? A yogi or yogini is open to change and willing to change in any moment. And if we can use our practice as a form of movement alchemy to transform stress or dis-ease in our bodies, then we're really teaching ourselves how to be our own healers, which is the way that we're able to go out and inspire that or help facilitate that for other people. Yes. Mm. And so that's the short version of I love it. how Tantra really permeates the way I teach and the way I think it's beautiful that's beautiful I think that I don't think I know that that is just such a beautiful approach in reflection to how so much of the world sees Tantra as this Mm -hmm. one other thing Mm -hmm. and the ecstasy seeking yeah and it's so deep it's so there's so much to it so thank you for illuminating that and highlighting that and, and and showing its its incredible value in your life and how it shows up in your teachings and you know something that's how long have you been teaching teaching yoga it'll be 11 years 11 years yeah. that's so exciting mm-hmm. what would 11 year teaching Devin tell year three teaching Devin that's a great question um I would probably tell her to continue to simplify (laughs) and that's what I tell almost every teacher that I train it's like actually the most potent transmission comes from the simplest seed right and so if you don't know what you're gonna say then don't say anything instead leave it be and let people breathe Mm. and let yourself breathe really like there should be the same kind of experience of a flow state when you're leading yoga versus when you're receiving yoga like if I'm not preserving that feeling of connection within myself then I'm not going to be able to facilitate that same feeling in other people Mm -hmm. so whenever I feel myself losing that stream of connection 
then the first priority actually is to bring myself back. Mm. Because if I don't do that, then immediately the cellular bodies in front of me are going to pick up on that and drop into that with me. Mm. And so something I love about what my teacher Shiva always says is that I'm speaking to their cells. Mm -hmm. People say, how did you do that, Shiva? It was so amazing. And they're just in a trance. They're in some other place. And she says, because I'm not speaking to people's brains. I'm speaking to their nervous system. And I like to tell my students, like, you're having a conversation with people's nervous system. And even when you practice, you're having a conversation through your breath with your own nervous system. And so the way you speak to yourself and also the way I speak to you, all of those factors together can quickly change or influence the experience that you're having. Mm. And so I'd probably just tell little Debbie <laughs> to uh, speak to the nervous system and slow mm. down That's and, profound. and feel no need to fill the silent voids. Sounds so important. Yeah. Mm. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Thank you. Soon I think my practice might just be laying on the ground for three hours a day. We should hang out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tell us what what do you have coming on this this year? You have some exciting things happening. Yeah, I'd love for sure. you to share them with our with our audience listening. So I just finished an incredible retreat in Costa Rica. Um, it's called Rhythm Ritual and Rest. And you know, my whole thing is really teaching yoga as a living experience. And there's so much philosophy that I adore and that I love to dive into. But um, the way I like to lead retreats is to almost just get the right people together. It always seems to happen that way and let the brew of everything and everyone's personalities and everyone's relationship and practice come together and organically create the impetus for whatever kind of healing is needed. Right? So we were really deep in that and in the jungle um, and now I'm moving towards uh, teacher training, 200 and 300 hour training. I'm blessed to be a part of Shiva Ray's global school of living yoga. It's called Samudra. And we have about 20 teachers globally, which I also um, help manage that um, with Shiva's office. That's a part of my role that offer this teacher training program that has been created by Shiva and also has evolved over the last 25 years through her teaching and practice. So it's just an absolute honor to be leading those trainings. Um, we have one once a year in Denver. Um, so this year we're going into what's called the Elemental Vinyasa, which is actually a more advanced starting point. Um, I was feeling that there's a need within the Denver yoga community to offer a 200-hour teacher training that was geared towards advanced practitioners. And again, not to contradict myself in terms of the types of asana that I like to practice, right? Like I said, I could just lay down. But I think for many of us, it's time to really give ourselves the challenge with grace mm -hmm. to go deeper towards more peak asanas. Mm -hmm. And that there is a lot of selling of yoga teacher trainings, not to get controversial, but that are more superficial. Mm -hmm. right? So I'm attempting to start a program in Denver where the teachers that I'm inviting into the 200 or 300 hour programs are grounded in a consistent asana practice. It's my request. It's my requirement that they've been practicing for two or more years and have a vinyasa practice in their body. So we'll be going into 
elemental vinyasa, which is an open training for anyone who wants to come in, or mm. you can approach the full 200 or 300 hour program, depending on what your certification goals are. So have Amazing. that starting in Denver at the end of June, as well as some other different small workshops. Um, I have my own yin teacher training, which is a really, really interesting blend of the ideas of Tantra and the breath focused practice of prana vinyasa and bring that into this classical perspective of yin where we allow the breath to be the inner tool that transforms the body as we hold shapes mm. so we'll be doing a training for that in denver this fall and i'm going to iceland with my mm. friends at yoga scapes um and that is a hiking hot springs and yoga retreat and that's coming up at the end of august iceland and it's gonna is beautiful be, yeah it's gonna be super powerful and for me as a teacher of vinyasa that really likes to honor the elements and see our embodiment through these different lenses of how the elements show us things about ourselves. Um, it's awesome to go into places like Iceland <laughs> that are just like these majestic, epic convergences of water and air and space and fire and teach practices in those settings. So we'll be hiking and moving and um, yoga scapes always does an amazing job of setting up amazing. adventures yeah and you know my friends keep saying don't book yourself out for 2020 Devin <laughs> but things are on the horizon so we'll be looking um, towards that soon but for now it's nice to stay simple I love my home in Denver and, and I'm really dedicated to my students here and I was raised by a teacher who made sure to stay in constant connection and constant support and if I'm here at least enough to be able to do that for my students who are really invested in their practice, that's mm. really my biggest priority. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited oh. to share all of this and more on our podcast so people can find you here in Denver and the beautiful Colorado and yeah. people who want to tap in and dive deeper into their practices. I've it's been really cool to be able to, you know, share this podcast over the last 4 years and have certain people message me at some point in time and say, "Hey, this one episode that you did with this one teacher, I actually sought them out. Mm -hmm. And I went and took that training and I moved, someone moved to Colorado to study from someone in Boulder from this podcast. So I wow. hope that your, I know that I will, that you, your, 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 your love and your light of yoga has pierced through the cosmos of the internet. <laughs> and it is just inspiring someone's heart so much so that they're going to find you through this podcast. I know that it's so. Well, I look so. forward to practicing with, yes. with everyone. Yes. And I'm always in Denver, and then you can find me in other places of the mm -hmm. world. And also come join us. Like These practices with Shiva are incredible, and she's been teaching for so long. And it's, I think it's important like to not miss an opportunity if she comes to yeah. where you are as well. You know, She is like my yoga mama. She's I transmitted love. everything that has... Uh, allowed me to grow into the woman that I am. So mm, I'm super grateful so for that as well. Thank you. And I'm I'm just honored for anyone who steps in front of me in a yoga mm. space or just to talk about yoga somewhere yes, out in the world. That's my fave. So and it's just been so wonderful to know you mm. and and I remember the first time I met you and we actually took a yoga class together. <laughs> And we were both very different people at that time. Very different people. <laughs> so, so cheers to yes. maintaining relationships and yoga being a foundation for that. For life. For life, yeah.
Well, you know, one of the end note questions on every single episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast is what is one golden nugget that you would offer those who are listening as they carry forward in their journey of life? I would encourage everyone to view yoga as a practice that extends far beyond asana and your mat Mm. and even seated meditation. To be able to feel the influence of your awareness and your embodied presence in the simplest tasks of like cutting the vegetables for your breakfast or walking your dog or moving on the dance floor, right? And this is really the tantric way. If you can embody connection in every moment and everything that you do and feel that resurgence of the incredible moments that you receive when you're on your mat, even in the simplest tasks, then you can move with change. You can embody joy. You can embody peace. Thank you so much, Devin, for sharing. Thank you for having me. Look forward to following inspirations that are to come. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to the Yoga Revealed podcast. And if you are inspired to study with Devin and work with her, check out her website, Intel, I-N-T-E-L-F-L-O-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y, intelflowtherapy.com. Follow her on IG at Intel Flow. Yoga Reveal Podcast is a proud sponsor of an incredible company, Four Sigmatic, the most alive adaptogen mushrooms. We've got a special offer for our Yoga Revealed family. Receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic purchase by going to foursigmatic.com. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com backslash yoga revealed or use yoga revealed at checkout as one word this is your brother alec vishal rubin sending all the love to you in your life today may your practice be present and strong and weave insight into your relations until next time love life my friends namaste even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 